ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Thirteenth of March, twenty twenty-three. I had a clot to the left side of my brain. So describing what had happened to me felt perfectly normal. A normal day. I'd been out driving in the car. I'd been to the gym that day. You know, all different things. And it was about nine o'clock that evening. And I just made myself a cup of tea. When I leaned forward to pick that cup up, my arm went a completely different direction to the cup. So I sat back and thought, oh my God, what was that? I felt normal, no signs, no nothing. I thought, I I was very calm as well. And I thought, you know what, look at the cup. I've got to try it again. So I leaned forward, went to pick the cup up. But my arm, it didn't respond to what I was trying to do. It went off a different direction. They took my blood pressure. My blood pressure rose to like 227 over 120. You know, it's like ridiculous. Then started asking me lots of questions about it. But, you know, until what I've just said to you, until I made that drink at nine o'clock at night and went to pick it up and I couldn't. I'd not had one sign or symptom or warning or anything. Within 12 hours of being in hospital, I completely became trapped in my own body. The right side of my body, from the top of my head to the base of my foot, became numb. Hardest thing in life I've ever, ever, ever had to face. Hello, it's Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we'll hear from Louise Harris from the West Midlands. Louise was 51 when she suffered her stroke. Well, I have three sons. Everybody's left home. My profession was I'm an accountant, but I had actually retired from my previous position in 2018. So I ended my career as an accountant for the local fire service. But as I said, I was completely retired from that. And I'd been spending some time in France the last few years. So pretty sort of laid back, as you can hear. And then just my hobbies. I'm, I'm kind of one of those women. I, I never got bored, uh, you know, with life. I'm always finding something to do. And that was it, really. Nothing major was going on. As far as being aware, 
I do have a condition that I've known about for over 23 years. So previously, I lived in America in the sort of emigrated in the late 90s. And while we were over there, my sister went with me as well. And she was eight months pregnant and she had a venous clot in her groin. And obviously through that and the testing, we were positive to Leiden Factor V blood clotting disorder. So back then I, I was offered the test and I got tested in the USA. So I knew I was positive and I'm like all of my family were all positive to this Leiden Factor V, which is more uh, common than people are aware of. So anyway, my sister, as I said, clotted in 20, uh, back in, sorry, the late 90s. And then uh, she's okay. She's all right now, obviously, all those years ago. But 2019, my eldest son, who was only just into his 30s at that point, he clotted. He had a venous clot in the left groin. So he uh, came to me and I was the one that had to rush him to hospital. So he clotted from his stomach right down to his toes. It was just a purple leg. For me, it was another deja vu, knowing that we've got this. And apparently, we've got two genetic issues with it. So we've got it very rare. So Leiden Factor Five, it's one of those. Not everybody knows about it. Not even medical staff know about it. Some people do. And it's good to know these things about yourself, I suppose. Anyway, my son's okay. But that experience in 2019... Even the doctors in the hospital at that time were going to me, why has this not happened to you, you know? Well, I didn't know. But obviously all of that going on, that raised it for me. And I thought, I need to go to my doctor and I need to get some, you know, some protection. Lived a good life though, you know, I'm a gym user. I'm a healthy person. I'm not, uh, I'm very careful with what I eat and things like this. So anyway, I did go to the doctors and asked, you know, could I get some referral to a hematologist or something just to sort of confirm it here in this country? I got a referral, but it ended up that nothing came of it. I didn't go to see any hematologist. One thing that did happen to me as well, though, back then, that was after that, is I'd had an eyesight issue. And when I say eyesight issue, I don't mean like, you know, your spectacles, you need to go and get your eyes tested and things. That was fine. But I'd, I'd had this incident where I'd got this shadowing in my left eye, sort of like suddenly you can see the next thing. It, it takes most of your eyesight away, which made me go to the doctor's. They sort of told me, oh, you need to just go to your optician, which I did. So I went to the opticians, told them about it, got lots of different things, nerve testing, this, that, whatever. Photographed my eye, all of it. Thought nothing else about it until then we had COVID-19. Made me then, again, approach the doctor. Can I see a hematologist? The referral was put in. But the haematologist decided they didn't want to see me. The first one did, because I've had my notes since. The first haematologist did say that they'd like to see me due to I've got a family history of this Leiden Factor V, so it'd be good to see me for research and studies. And then the second one, which was, again, at the pandemic stage of life, he didn't. He decided that, no, it wasn't a high risk or anything like this. Leading from that... 13th of March, 2023, I had a clot to the left side of my brain. So describing what had happened to me felt perfectly normal. A normal day. I'd been out driving in the car. I'd been to the gym that day. 
you know, all different things. And it was about nine o'clock that evening and I just made myself a cup of tea. So I'd come into the living room, just put it down, just flicking through the channels. Felt perfectly fine. Absolutely nothing wrong. No signs, no nothing. Then I went, leaned forward. I'm right-handed. So I used that hand to go and pick that cup up, but I not long carried into the room. When I leaned forward to pick that cup up, my arm went a completely different direction to the cup. So I sat back and thought, oh, my God, what was that? I felt normal, no signs, no nothing. But I thought I, I was very calm as well. And I thought, you know what, look at the cup. I've got to try it again. So I leaned forward, went to pick the cup up. But my arm, it didn't respond to what I was trying to do. It went off a different direction. And that's when I thought, oh, my gosh. I just had to work it out. Well, the only thing I can think of is that's your brain. You know, your brain is what tells you. We take everything for granted. We just assume it works. With that, I've got, like I said, nobody lives at home. And I decided I better call a friend and not drive myself, get someone to take me to A&E. So that's what I did. So she took me across to A&E. Everything was fine still. Got out the car, walked across the road, went up the last curb to go into A&E. And my right toes kicked the curb. But I knew I'd lifted my foot up properly like you do. So I just peacefully walked in and in my brain, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, am I having a stroke? So I got up to the desk. The woman said to me, tell us what your symptoms are. So I leaned forward and told her I've lost the balance in my right arm. It won't do as I want it to do. And I said, and I've just kicked the curb coming in here. She took a double look at me, though, because to look at me even now, you would not think I've been through this. And he was told me to take a seat and I'd say within five, ten minutes of a A&E, which is absolutely crammed full of people, they pulled me in. First sign for them then was they took my blood pressure. My blood pressure rose to like 227 over 120. You know, it's like ridiculous. Then started asking me lots of questions about it. But, you know, until what I've just said to you, until I made that drink at nine o'clock at night and went to pick it up and I couldn't. I'd not had one sign or symptom or warning or anything like, you know, the adverts do the fast. Didn't didn't occur to me that none of it. Anyway, from that, I obviously had to go for brain scans. They needed to calm my heart down. And that's apparently one of the things that can happen. So they gave me some drug that was to calm my heart, my heart even like stop it to start it again. This is now two o'clock in the morning. One of my children showed up. And then I went for a CT scan and an MRI scan. And the results of those scans was that I'd had five TIAs in my brain and a small blood clot to the left of the brain. And then that's where it all began. Within 12 hours of being in hospital, I completely became trapped in my own body. The right side of my body from the top of my head to the base of my foot became numb hardest thing in life I've ever, ever, ever had to face. Louise didn't need surgery. They told me that it was a small, it is a, mine is a very small blood clot to the left of the brain, but evidently the damage that's up there, the five TIAs, blah, blah, that's happened to me, this is all they confirmed. The only reason that I've actually clotted is because of this Leiden factor five blood clotting disorder. And like I said, obviously, my my point of view now is that I tried to go for some blood thinning medication because I can't prescribe it myself and didn't get it. 
and that was it. So I didn't have to have any surgery or anything like this. I chose myself because, again, it's a dark moment. What do you do? I didn't really know anything about it. I cannot feel or move any kind of the right side of my body. Um, so I wanted to stay in hospital because I wanted I wanted I need the help. Someone needs to tell me, how do I get out of this? Can I get out of this? Sort of what's happening to me? For four days, I was in the high high dependency unit, and I'd, like I couldn't get out of bed, couldn't do anything. Once they felt that I was stabilized, I was moved to a normal ward, and I was there for two weeks because I needed to wait to go to the rehab center because I was requesting. I didn't want to just come home. I live on my own. I needed some sort of specialist team to show me what do I do now. So two weeks I was in the hospital for. As I said before, that I'm a gym user. And I'm going to say in a situation like this for myself, <laughs> I have to admit, I'm a stubborn girl. Stubbornness has certainly helped me in this situation. So it's like the very next day, you know, when they come to you at the bedside and that, okay, we'll give you a wash and this. And I couldn't think of anything worse of someone washing me. So they had to get a piece of machinery, look. And then I was able to, because of being in the gym, the core of me, I was able to use my left hand. And I had to keep picking my right hand up because the one thing that happens when you've had a stroke, the cutting off the signal, everything becomes dead weight. So your body is like an unbelievable weight. I've got a bad back previous to this. So I needed to make sure I protected my back because I knew if that kicked off, I'm done. So I kept picking up my right arm and, you know, preventing it from dropping. So I was, I was kind of not able-bodied completely, but I, I was determined that I was going to do for me. The last thing that I was going to do is give in and just let people do everything for me. Coming up, Louise talks about returning home. Two months in hospital and then I was discharged and came home on the 9th of May. And that's... The first thing about being overwhelmed, anything you do again with a stroke, so like movement, moving from one ward to another, everything's so overwhelming because you you lose your breath as well. I mean, it, it completely wipes everything out. So that transfer of coming from the hospital back to the house was the scariest thing as well because I'm coming home, but I'm not coming home like I went out of here. And the impact the stroke had on her family. To see my three children stood over a hospital bed with me, their eyes told me everything. And that first 24 hours, I thought I was making sense, laughing and joking like I normally would. But they tell me to this day, they couldn't understand a word I was saying. Let's hear how Louise moved on to the next stage in her recovery. The rehab centre was absolutely chock full of people, so I had to wait. I managed though after two weeks, they transferred me. So I transferred to the rehab centre and I was there. So it was a total, my hospital visit from walking in was a total of two months. So I went to the rehab and that's where where the rehab begins. So rehab, what was that for me? So it's a case of they'll get you up, you know, they want you up as quick as they can get you. Some people can't. But again, for me, balance goes. So it's as much as you're trying to be what you were before. There's no way it's going to happen because you're balanced. Everything, everything just goes. 
And I realized with the stroke, when it wipes you out, the stability that you've lost completely is like your ankle, your knee, your hip, your elbow, your shoulder. So they're the areas that you've got to try and focus on. So when they first got me up out of bed, for me, my right knee hyperflexed, which what that means is it went completely the opposite direction of what it's supposed to be which I'm assuming, well, not assuming, you can imagine, that's obviously done damage in there to ligaments and things. But for me, that the important thing, you just have to, you know, you have to listen to what they're telling you. And I'm one of those. I'm, I'm Like I said before, I'm stubborn and determined. So no matter whether my body wanted to do it or not, I was going to make damn sure it did. I had my breakthrough, though, for recovery very, very early because it is so easy to slip into the darkest place ever. And that will come early. But for me in the night, like the hospital beds have got the handles, you know, on them each side. I would sit in that bed, not go to sleep, but I'd take that right hand and I'd uncurl it because it had clawed up. I'd uncurl my fingers and I would put it on the bed and it would drop. I'd do it again and it would drop. So I, I'm I'm like this. So and that's what I did. I kept picking it up, putting it on the bed, it drop, pick it up, put again and again and again. And then finally it suddenly didn't drop. And I was like, oh my God. So then my next thing was to squeeze my hand, but you can't, you can't move anything. But I put the other hand on the opposite side and I just had my two hands on the bed and just pretending I was squeezing. But I saw in my right hand that my knuckles, I could see them go slightly white. So that was my breakthrough. My breakthrough then was, I can get out of this. I can get out of this. But it's not an easy road. No way is it an easy road. So let's just fast forward. So where am I now? I think I'm like 18, 19 weeks since this happened two months in hospital and then I was discharged and came home on the 9th of May. And that's the first thing about being overwhelmed. Anything you do again with a stroke, so like movement, moving from one ward to another, everything's so overwhelming because you you lose your breath as well. I mean, it, it completely wipes everything out. So that transfer of coming from the hospital back to the house was the scariest thing as well because... I'm coming home, but I'm not coming home like I went out of here. So I came in, you get eight weeks or six weeks, I think it is, of rehab support after. But again, that was me. I was determined. I've kept hold of everything I was taught. And I just don't stop. You know, you have to stop still when you've had a stroke. But you can do little bits and then you have to rest. So the key to this is the rest. You've got to sleep. You've got to be able to sleep. And you've just got to keep believing in your body. But you've basically, it's like you're reborn and you don't know how to walk and your limbs don't want to work. So even for me now to walk, I'm up on my feet, I'm walking. And a lot of people that see me now will say to me, uh, which side was your stroke? But it's because I just carry on with life. Like I'm not going to accept in this world that I'm this majorly disabled person. I am but I'm going to keep fighting it because I completely believe in that my body is a musical instrument and I've just got to learn how to play it all over again and never take any single part of it for granted ever again because this happens to anyone, can happen with a click of a finger. So like I said, I'm home, I walk, 
I've unclawed my hand. You have to every day exercise, but you'll know when to sleep because it fatigues your brain immediately. But I won't give in. I won't give in. So every single day, every day, I, I, try, to, I try to live my life like I did before. But obviously, I'm nowhere close to where I was. But I'm not going to give in. So I'm back up. I'm not trapped in the right side. I'm not connected. I'm still not connected. But it is so much better than it was. I can lift my arm right up. I can lift my, re my leg right up. They're still heavy. But as I said, the more you do it, the easier it will become. But all I'm aware, this is going to be a long road to recovery. There's no snap of your fingers and you're back to your normal life. Louise's family have been incredibly supportive. The worst thing I'll remember, I'll never shake this out of my head again, was when your three sons are in the hospital with you. And I'm sad. I was just happy to be alive because the reality of this, people that have stroke, there's only a third of the people that survive. Two thirds don't make it. So I've learned all that. Like I've really educated myself on stroke and the damage. To see my three children stood over a hospital bed with me, their eyes told me everything. And that first 24 hours, I thought I was making sense, laughing and joking like I normally would. But they tell me to this day, they couldn't understand a word I was saying. So it did wipe out my voice look. And obviously I'm talking away and sound pretty like that never did happen to me. So that was horrifying. My family, so the situation now is uh, one of my sisters, my eldest sister and her husband, they've actually moved in with me um, to make sure that I'm, I'm okay. For me, I'm just lucky. It's my determination. It's the life path I've had. And my kids now are at that point of that they all say to me that we knew it, mum. We knew if anyone's going to be able to fight the way out of this, it'd be you. I'm doing it. That's what I'm trying to say. This is not easy in any shape or form, but um, you've, you can't give in. You cannot give in. You've got to believe in your body and you've got to retrain that mind and the thought. You know, you look at your hand, you've got to think. You've got to think about what it do. You want your fingers to move? You've got to, in your mind, tell them to move. And slowly, 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 it'll happen. So my family have gone very supportive. They're very supportive. But again, I want to go back to, you know, they'll try and go and do something. But I tell everybody, no, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. If I need help, I'll ask for it. Louise has worked hard to regain movement back in her affected side and can now walk unaided. Thank you very much for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do subscribe on your preferred provider. And if you have time, rate, comment and share the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And as we always say, if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch. Our DMs are always open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. 
I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>